This is the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Georgia has film and television production. It also has the digital gaming business. Let's face it, Georgia is redefining what success looks like in the world of entertainment. Ryan Millsap has seen it all firsthand. The real estate entrepreneur recognized opportunity and founded Black Hall Studios in Atlanta, creating one of the country's leading movie studios. But that was yesterday. Like all great entrepreneurs, wanderlust sets in. Ryan's next foray into the entertainment business could change the landscape in film and television. Nietzsche said, in heaven, all the interesting people are missing. You'll find a lot of them on the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Welcome. Today on the Black Hall Podcast, I've got not one, but two queens of the incredible Atlanta hip-hop scene. Help me welcome my longtime friend, LaRonda Sutton, and my new friend, the lovely Dina Marto. LaRonda Sutton, what can I say? Early in her career, Sutton was taken under the wing of one of the top music producers of our time, the legendary Mr. L.A. Reed, where she learned the business of spotting not only talent, but star power. From Beyonce and Destiny's Child, to the iconic band Outkast, to the Oscar-winning actor Jamie Foxx, who can sing, folks, if you don't already know that. There's a reason why he made that Barbara Streisand joke in the movie Baby Driver. Shot here in Atlanta, by the way, I can hear Harlem shuffle now. This brings me to my second guest, Dina Marto, who has, without a doubt, been instrumental to the ascent of the female rap artist. An entrepreneur who started her first public relations company as a teenager, Marto, like Sutton, caught the eye of Mr. L.A. Reid, then chairman of Def Jam Records. Chosen to work with hip-hop legend Shakir Stewart, Marto developed a keen sense for producing artists like Young Neezy, Nas, Rick Ross, Janet Jackson, and LL Cool J. In 2012, Marto founded 12 Music and Studios, where she nurtures the careers of new artists through major record and publishing deals. Ladies, thank you for joining me on the Black Hall Podcast. These conversations do make me think of how... Um, you know, w men and women have such different perspectives mm -hmm. on so many situations in life. You guys obviously both work in an industry that's pretty male dominated mm -hmm. and, and male narrative dominated mm -hmm. in many ways. How, I mean, have you seen an evolution? Is that, is, is it evolving in the hip hop world where it's like not so, or it's not? Yeah, right? it is. No, for sure. It's evolving. <laughs> it's for sure evolving. It's still male dominated. But I would say from like when I started, to now, I could count the number of women I knew that were like, you know, in executive positions or C-suite positions or just like people that you looked up to and not just support positions or assistant roles or, you know, it's it's definitely that has changed. Wouldn't you say that has changed for sure? Well, when I started, I feel like I saw more women. Oh, in, you do? In, in those, see, I feel like yes, I see and more then, women now. And then... I, I feel like it kind of changed and then a lot of women came out. Mm -hmm. And then as the new wave came in, mm -hmm. as the new uh, era of the C-suite executive, yeah. gen, the next generation, I didn't see that many women coming mm. it's back It's still in. not, yes. obviously, it's not equalized or whatever, but it's, I think I see, I just see a lot more women working together. It's not so as, 
I think you were like kind of pit against each other. And I felt that way with women, like you could be the only woman in the room or, you know, just like, I just think that that was men like setting it up that way so that you could, you, I don't know. It was their control of the You situation. think men were that strategic? <laughs> I don't think they were that strategic. I I think they just work with, because I think for men, I don't even think they think that deep. I think I'm going to hire somebody I know or somebody that I came across that I think is great. And nine times out of 10, they're more apt to hang, you know, because they have, they have different ways of, I mean, you guys have so many ways, so many more ways than women (laughs) to hang out, to hang out. Like I'm on the golf course, I'm on the basketball course, I'm doing this. I mean, so many different ways. And women, it's like, okay, what are we really doing? We're not on the basketball course because I'm not doing that. We're not on the, (laughs) (laughs) you know. So you have so many more ways to network and come across people. And then you're like, I'm going to hire this guy because we play basketball together because he's cool because, you know, whatever. So I think it just... Maybe it wasn't like a global agenda, but it right. definitely it, somewhere yes. in there, c- certain men would make you feel like, no, you, you're better than her. Like she can't do this, or like you should be the only kind of thing. And then some, is, some could have just been just the way a woman feels, being like, oh, I I gotta um, man my territory, and I can't let anybody, I can't let anybody in there. I'm of the opposite thought. I'm like. I want to be like a mentor to the next generation of women. So I want them to feel like they can come to me because I didn't have a woman to go to. All my mentors have been men my entire life. So I want to make that change for the women. And I wanted to, I wanted to teach women like you can, we can collaborate with each other is enough money to go around and we can all work together and it's going to be fine. Like, you know, I've had uh, both men and women coming into the business. Uh, My first job came from, a man, mm-hmm. uh, second and third job came from, you know, a woman, Jody Gerson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, U Music, and um, I mean, and so many more after that. So I've had the pleasure of both, working with both. Um, but I will say I made it a point coming into the business to bring as many women and as many people of color into the business as possible, because I remember being... Um, you know, I was I was promoted into upper management by the time I was 24. So I was vice president of a major corporation by 24. So I'm 24 years old. I am sitting in these rooms, and it is mm-hmm. primarily a, a predominantly white room, and it's myself. So um, not only am I a person of color, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a woman. So I'm speaking for like a whole. <laughs> yeah, a lot of voices. <laughs> speaking for a lot of voices at that point, and. Um, it was challenging because, because, no, I don't speak for everyone. And my lifestyle, the way I grew up, is not, you know, traditionally. I can't say that everybody grew up like I did. So it's like it's hard for to, to, to live your, have your life experiences, but then, then be you have asked to, to speak right, for a whole everybody community, else. you know, Which whole is race oftentimes and community what and yeah. gender of people. When you're so, the only person in that room, yeah. Yes. For sure. Try try this on with mm-hmm. me, which is I, I've got this theory that happiness is mostly about getting deeply in touch with your own truth, mm-hmm. like deeply in touch with who mm-hmm. you really are, mm-hmm. and then trying to make the world exactly as you want it to be, right? So before you, if you don't know exactly who you are and exactly mm-hmm. what you want, then you don't actually know what you should, you're, you're out there trying to change or you're out there trying to make the world into. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can actually get in touch with that and then know what it is you want the world to be, then the process of actually trying to make the world into the world that would make you the happiest, 
with your own self-knowledge, that is actually happiness. When you wake up in the morning and say, I'm chasing Mm -hmm. this dream of Mm -hmm. what I really long for, you find that that is actually true happiness. So one of the things that I think about in um, in this struggle on some mm-hmm. level, you talk about like either being a person of color or being mm-hmm. a woman or just being the not dominant culture mm-hmm. in whatever you're mm-hmm. functioning in, mm-hmm. whether, you know, whatever mm-hmm. industry. Then the question I have is, how much do you feel like you have to subjugate your deepest desires inside of an industry that feels like it might be male dominated or it might be... Uh, race dominator, whatever it is. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of subjugation in that because you're suppressing, um, you know, a, just so many things. Like especially when, um, I'll give you an example when providing uh, opportunities to to um, new people or young people that were coming in the business, there was a sense of. So I felt a sense of obligation that this this has to happen. But the hoops that I had to go through to get them the opportunity and and the amount and the risk that I took on the other end that if they weren't great, you know, because one bad anything, you're out, right? Mm-hmm. So the people, so it was just so much pressure to make sure that the people that you know I was able to provide those opportunities to that I knew that they were going to deliver and that everything was going to work out fine. And I don't think you know, that is for the general, for the norm, for, you know, the white male or, and, and I'm even going to say the white woman at some point, I don't think that they feel that type of yeah. pressure that way. Because you're trying to push the needle forward, but it's like baby steps. You can't just get in there and then hire a whole, you know, all the people <laughs> all, you ever wanted. Right, you, right. you have to take, right. but you're, because you're paving the way. So it's just like gradual wins. You're, it's a process and we're still in the middle of the process. Was, yes right now it's interesting because so i you know i've i've experienced myself and thought of myself since i was early 20s as basically unemployable mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. i understand that because I get that. i'm unwilling to subjugate right 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 i'm unwilling to live in an environment where i have to subjugate my needs i'm unwilling to in, live in an environment where i have to subjugate my ideas right not express my ideas mm-hmm. i'm unwilling to live in environments where i can't try to change the environment to fit what it is that i imagine right right because that's the mm-hmm. that's joy for me mm-hmm. and so then i was thrust into kind of an entrepreneurial path mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. but then when i look at that like my own psychological makeup is the other mm-hmm. when it comes to corporate America, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in corporate America, even though I'm white and male, mm-hmm. I'm still the other because I function so differently, right? Yeah, there's no chance I would have made it 10 years in corporate America without telling the wrong person to fuck off, <laughs> right? Be- yes. And that's a psychological yes. orientation. Yes, but still the world rewards you for saying fuck off at some point. <laughs> right. So that that's the interesting part to me is that you're even in the position to say fuck off. Yeah, right. At that point. Well, right. except for so so this is the part so, that that I that I right. try to figure out in America. So I think of America as the place that honors really, I mean above almost everything else, the person who's willing to say fuck off. Because we're a country that said to a king, fuck off, right? We built an entire country around the notion that everybody could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And they could say whatever they wanted and they could build whatever life they wanted. And we were going to all work to protect everybody's freedom 
to build whatever life that they wanted for a certain person. Right. Right. That's the part. So, right. So, uh, so I'm open to hearing that conversation, but but what I'm saying is from my life experience before I had any idea Mm -hmm. that there was a struggle Mm -hmm. to express whatever life you wanted in America. Yeah. Right. Which I hear you saying, I always just thought, why don't people just leave? Why don't people just go do whatever they want? Why why are they stay in working environments that are toxic or why do they stay in oh, working it's environments? It's so complicated, they- Ryan. Yeah. It's so yes. many factors. There's it's education, it's yes. economic, it's yes. where's your support system is. Do yes. you even know? You don't even when you can't even think of ideas. Like you can't your brain can't function and be creative if you're not even in the environment to do so. If you're just trying to survive. So people can't even think that far ahead because mm-hmm. all they're thinking about is like, I need to pay my my light bill so my light doesn't go off. I need to figure out how, how much money I can spend on me and the kids' food. Like it's like a different, like it's so, it's a different mindset. You can't even begin to have a creative idea when you're just struggling to, to stay alive. Okay, that's fair. And it's, but so, the, but how do you fix that? So but that's not a problem with the system. That's a problem with somebody's particular situation. Um, no, it's a system no, problem. It's, it's a system because problem. <laughs> if the system, so because if everybody was starting at the same starting like right. the li- lineup, the same starting point, mm-hmm. uh, then we, we uh, the ideas would be out of control, right? I mean, so that's why. So, but nobody's I'll, I'll starting. Give you, at the I'll same, give you an nobody, example. You just no, you just but, ran down the history yeah. of the United States yeah. and how you know we were the you know f you we're out of here you know not dealing with that anymore, right? That's right. Okay, so in school. Right. When we are being taught history and I'm in class and, you know, growing up for me, you know, I was a kid raised in the suburbs. Right. I had white babysitters. That's how, you know, because my mom was an educator, double masters. You know, my dad graduated from Berkeley. You know, my my parents, you know, they were cool. Right. And so. And they were well off. Well, you know, middle. I'll say middle class. Yeah, middle class in America <laughs> is better than 99% of the population yeah, so, around so, the globe. Right. So yeah. they were middle class. But the thing is, it's like sitting in, in the classroom, though, when being taught this history, I didn't see a place that I had anything to do with any Which of that. Which is not all correct history, right? You're not even right. being taught the full so on history. So I didn't even... Yes, I understood that America said this, but I didn't. But the, to translate eventually that I could say this never even entered. Yeah. Because it was always you have to go through the, you have to, you know, um, uh, follow the rules, make sure that you are doing this, make sure that you are not loud, not obnoxious. I would get in so much trouble because I spoke up or said something and my mom would be, you can't do that. You know, like. It would just, it, there's so many the mores, rules, all these things that you can't do. And that's what we learned in school versus what you can do, right? Yeah. And what and, and the freedom of being able to do that. Yeah. It's more like, don't do that. And so that's like, a different... Was that from school or was that from your parents? That was both. It's society, though, both. because was society. the parents are just trying to get you through the system because yes. we're struggling. To, so I'm Palestinian. My dad was kicked out of his home in 1948. <laughs> he was a refugee. His mm-hmm. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. He lost everything. You know, mm-hmm. They came and took his house and all his businesses and everything he had at that very moment. We never got to go back and never got to reclaim anything. Anyway, long story short, I'm here. I'm in hip-hop. And let me just tell you why this is so important to like this is why i love hip hop because these are the people 
that are really like the most down and out, the ones that are forgotten about, the ones that don't have the voices, and they somehow figured out to be creative and to get out of their situation and their circumstance, which is always not that great. I can't say all of them, but most of the people that I've ever worked with and and really like become something that is first generational, like that nobody else has handed over to them, that they, they can't lean on their family for any kind of support. They don't have, they didn't have the education for, and they didn't have the economic setup for. And that's why I love working in hip hop specifically. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I, and that's what I like, I really am not supposed to be here, right? I'm a Palestinian woman. Like my parents didn't, they wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a banker. Like that's what right, you do. Right. You don't go get into hip hop, right? You don't go into the music right. business and then you and don't go so right into the trap music. Because in my family, what yeah. are you doing that music business? Because right. in my family, my you know, my folks are educators, uh, teachers, or, yeah. you know, both my uncles are pilots, airline pilots, captains. And so, you know, that was like this music thing over here. Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you want to be in entertainment? But that's what I grew up loving. That's what I saw. I had an aunt yeah. who was, you know, in the entertainment business. She was Sammy Davis Jr.'s personal secretary. She would fly into town. <laughs> it would be big furs and hair. And, and you're like, I want to do, what's that? That. That's, I like that. That. <laughs> Whatever that But that's why is. it's See, so happiness. fascinating. That's why it's <laughs> so fascinating. That is my happiness. Yeah. That, exactly. I'm and chasing that's that. What, and, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I chased what I thought and you know that's what you're supposed to do yes and so again that's what we mean by life i I went against the norm i did i went against the norm for my family as did you yeah because i would say i had the same setup i have middle class family good family my parents were together Mm -hmm. until my dad passed like that's the only reason they're apart you know i mean they would still be together right and i had a good family and i had a great education but i Mm -hmm. i I chose like i was Mm -hmm. like well, now that I'm out of the house, like I want to do what I really want to do. Right. And this was so fascinating to me. It was just, mm-hmm. I loved music, but mm-hmm. even more so, like the, the fact that I even fell into that is, is because I was so fascinated with how to, because I had, I still had a great setup. Like I still had a chance to be able to have ideas and, and think for myself and have a good, stable place to be and live and thrive. And a lot of people just don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And that's that is what true. is really fascinating because mm-hmm. those are the people like they, they really, you know. Well, except for what you just described is we talked about hip hop culture at the core being oftentimes not middle class, like lower mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. who grew up mm-hmm. with nothing, mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. no support system. And yet they go seize it. Mm-hmm. Seize it. Whatever it is. Seizing that's, it. Um, that's America. That's a rare. It's, but no, that's America. But that's more rare than it is like a norm, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not the general average person, right? Sure. But I that's, that's going to be like a once the, in a... But that's part of the danger. So one of the beauties of freedom mm-hmm. is that you can get these stories, which you can almost never get in any other country. True. Mm-hmm. Nobody in India was you're born You're in a poor. caste system. You're there. If you're born poor, you're going to die poor. You can't, you can't, you can't make your own decisions. I do love America for that, for right. sure. So, yeah. so in America, you can be born poor and then, and then make rich. a life. You can right. be born middle class. And again, not even become rich. You can just chase your dreams. Mm-hmm. And now chasing your dreams might result in wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes it does. Oftentimes yeah. mm-hmm. the moment when people stop caring about money and they start really just chasing the dream that's inside of them. Mm-hmm. Money follows. That's what right. I did. I, that and was that, me. And that's, and <laughs> right. that's what I did. Like, it was my I, passion. I, I had right. no idea you could. Well, how to even make money in this. I just mm-hmm. started off. I was 19 in college. I took a PR class. I mm-hmm. said, oh, that sounds like something I can do. And mm-hmm. I started a PR firm. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then um, got a, a bunch of great clients, made a name for myself. Then mm-hmm. L.A. Reid handpicked and hired me at 21 to work with him at Island Def Jam when J.C. Mm-hmm. was present. I was one of the youngest people that wasn't an intern. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for six years in the A&R department and ran the Atlanta office. And then I left again to go back to being an entrepreneur because just like you, I don't want to have to answer to anybody. And so I've just been an entrepreneur the majority of my life, except for the six years that I spent at Def Jam mm-hmm. uh, working in corporate. So ever since then, I've that's it. I built a recording studio. I ran and operated it. I did t- um, talent management, artist development. And then here I am today. You're an American hustler. I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I and I mean that in the greatest, you know, the yeah. best possible sense of that all of Americans, this entire country was built on hustle. And you're One right. One way you or can, another. And you're right. You can create yes. your own reality within that because I got to create like what I really, I went for what I really wanted to do. Like I went for like, and I created that world around me where. What I, else are you going to do? You're either going to have to subjugate yeah. all of your desires. Well, and, one, of, one of the things that I really love about hip hop and what hip hop represents to me is hip hop has uh, giving, has given, um, you know, place to the hustle. Hip hop yeah. has given place to, you know, um, being able to say, fuck you and make it, right? Hip hop is, you know, it. Yeah, it, it that's what, and, that's and, a true but, but, story. But, but, sure. but, all, but also, hip hop has given, you know, place to now generational millionaires, right? Mm-hmm. Which is before, like, I, I can't speak of, you know, really, I mean, very few in, in when you think of R&B and especially over time, how, you know, uh, you know, just the bad deals that were done. Like when you think about, yeah. you know, all of those artists that sold their catalogs for $100 because, you know, again, they thought that they were making the moves for their family and their intellectual property was do- uh, was taken from them and bad, bad deals stolen and, you know, extortion, whatever you want to call it. So I think now um, hip-hop and what, and what I really love about this and, and about this free market and the Internet and, and just the education of it all, um, you know, our folks are, especially in hip hop, are becoming so sophisticated in these concepts of what it means to own intellectual property and how to manage and bargain with that, that it is changing the lives of not only themselves, but their, you know, their families to come. Because when I think about like, you know, that was one of the responsibilities as a creative when I started the Soul Music Division for Chrysalis Music was the types of deals that I did. I wanted to make sure that the kids understood these are your copyrights. When you come into the game, you own two things. You own your masters, you own your copyrights. When you leave the game, you need to figure out how you're going to own those two things. Mm -hmm. What you do with them in between will will determine the the trajectory of not only you, but your family for the rest, for the duration. So so let's make sure that we do smart deals. Know when you're going to get them back. If you're going to loan them to somebody, loan them to somebody, but know that you're going to get them back. Know when you're going to get them back and know the value of them. Because really, when you think about it, Michael Jackson, he changed the trajectory of his entire family because he owned copyrights, right? He owned masters. He owned his own destiny. And he learned that from listening and being in those rooms and hearing people talk about it and having the conversation with Paul McCartney about, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be able to (laughs) buy these songs. Oh, well, what does that mean? Oh, well, it means to do this. Okay, well, I'm liquid. I got cash. This is what you say to do. Okay, I'm going to go buy it. Just like that. I don't have to get a group. I don't have to get investment fund. 
I wrote a check, and now I own it. And that changed everything. And take it one step further. <laughs> now with the internet and yes. everything digital, mm-hmm. you don't even have to sign to a record label anymore and have them take all your <laughs> right. your royalties and whatever, your publish anything that, like all the 360 deal that you normally have to sign. You can just put out music on your own, and you can figure it out from there and yes. be a big star and build a brand because the, the sale of music really isn't what gets you rich, right? It's mm-hmm. building that brand and touring and merchandising and just connecting to your fans and all the other things, the endorsement deals that you get from all of that. So now it's almost like the label becomes not that important. It's like F you to the label. Because now I can do it on my own. The dis- disintermediation born from the internet. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's happening in film, television, movies. Uh, and, Absolutely. And yeah, same thing. Same thing in film. Yeah. And TV. it was, you know, and, and then I just think about the innovation that you know, these kids, you know, and I'm going to say kids, all of us. Okay, so all of us, basically. <laughs> like when when downloading happened, you know, um, initially for music, everyone was, I remember because I was there in the music business, everyone uh, uh, turned their nose up at it. I don't care about it. They're all going to still go to, to the record Napster. stores. They were trying to no, fight Napster. They weren't even trying to fight Napster. It was like, mm, that's cool because we're always still going to go to the record store. Right. Not, you understand not really. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> But no, but that was that initially was because yeah. I was there before even any of that ever came right. about, right? So if you got to remember, yeah. I started with the cassette tape. Like, right, right, like, right. Like, right. Like, gotcha. And I, when I started in the business, they were still making bonafide like wax so this was before the dat this was before all these different (laughs) you know uh, uh different technologies came about so when when it happened our 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 business the industry overall was very arrogant and very just you know um you're always going to go you to can't the music touch store. Us. You're all right. Nothing's going to right. And so when it hit so hard, that's why everybody scrambled, and that's why we were hit so hard because we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. Our industry was not prepared for that kind of just you know technological decimation. Adapt guess, or die. Right. right. Exactly. But what you're describing right now, I hear and I say the future looks incredibly bright. Do you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. And so the innovation that came out of that, because, you know, okay, so now the, you know, everybody's scrambling, they can't figure out what's happening. So in terms of radio airplay, in terms of, so everything was basically hit. So when I think about Atlanta and what Atlanta and the South has contributed to that, right? Like when you think about now, the new way to break a record becomes, oh, you need to break the record in the strip club. Because they're still playing wax, they're still doing, you know, all these things, and this is where the, you know, this is where I can get my new music played when everybody else is trying to figure it out, and all these arteries are drying up. The record labels, I can get my music played in the strip club, right? And so there, there became this whole kind of like wave of of the popularity and the mainstreaming of the strip club, right? Oprah had it on the, you know, on her show, the poll, the women dancing. You had the cover of. I didn't of, see that, but that. <laughs> right. And so for for hip hop and for. Have you been you to know? a strip club, Ryan? <laughs> I have. I've been to many strip clubs in Atlanta. And- <laughs> Tell me your the top three. <laughs> I just need to know what kind of man you are. <laughs> well, so I, you know, I have I, one of my black buddies took me on a tour of all the black strip clubs. Okay. But I'm not a local at those places. <laughs> Actually, I'm not a local. So any, like Magic but- City, Blue Flame. Onyx. Yes. Onyx. Onyx, okay. still exists. Onyx is there. It um, just got reopened. Oh, it did. He's giving so us a did. thumbs up. So they did open that. <laughs> they reopened it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, P Because I heard it was going to be, it was having problems. Yeah. And P from, uh, uh, what do you call it? Coach and P. 
um, the, the biggest label that's in Atlanta right now, um, Quality Control. Quality Control. QC. He owns mm-hmm. part of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, and then, and then of course. But, the, but uh, what I consider to be more the white strip clubs, even though they're mixed mixed race the pink but pony the pink pony follies used to be great mm-hmm. i would think of follies as a black strip club really it, it was very mixed to me okay well i mean cheetah cheetah which is not a real yeah again like and i and when i say white or black i don't mean like necessarily racial i think more like culturally yeah mm-hmm. so like a white strip club i think of as like dark yeah. a little more seedy a little more like <laughs> sexual like <laughs> sensual like like you know white strip clubs are like places people hide in corners you know like right whereas like i think of black strip clubs it's culturally like, hey. it's like a party maybe oasis oasis is more i would think of oasis as a black strip club. really yeah Be- well huh. yep yeah. and that and and again because there's been a culture shift yeah in, where now strip club is mainstream Right, it's and much so, more mainstream, and so sure. that's. What but I think it's mainstream, maybe more again in hip hop culture. Well, it is in hip hop yeah. culture. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That yeah. it is, and so it's right now in hip hop. You're seeing the reflection of that, right? Yeah, you're seeing it in the music. Yeah. You're seeing it in the attire. Yeah. You're seeing it in everything, right? Yeah, and, and certainly I think even inside of again, like again culturally, mm-hmm. inside of like white culture, strip clubs are more acceptable than they were. 20 years ago in the sense yeah. that like you'll hear a lot more about couples going to strip clubs or these kind of things. That, right. But I, I still think that's out of the ordinary. I still think that right. like inside of, of, of white suburban culture. Yeah. If you're like those, that couple goes to strip clubs together. I'd it's be like, so, Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> right. They're, right. Right. They're swingers. We're, yeah, whereas, yeah, right. Exactly. Whereas now in a, in, in certain parts of our culture, going to the strip club is now equates just like going to the club. Like that's what like, I'm saying, so, but that's so, more hip hop, don't I, you think? Right. When I come across young people, they're like, "Oh, you know, we're going to the, you know, we're going to Onyx, we're going to this." But when I'm thinking like, "Okay, I, I was never thinking Onyx as strip club." I, you, you know, what I'm saying, I yeah. always thought it was a club, club. but and it functions so now, a little more like a club. Well, I right. feel that way about Cheetah because I really go to eat, and that's all you really right. do there. I mean, you don't right. do much else. And so, I eat never like, I never thought I'd see the day. Where it was, you know, everybody think, everybody was going and it was just cool. I think we need uh, to take... Because, you know, I grew up, in the era I grew up, it was always, ooh, you know, the strip club. Well, now, yeah, now it's like you, you haven't been to... The, we should take Matt on that same tour you went on. See what's going on. That would be an amazing yeah, tour. I think that would be yeah, a good tour. Matt would love that, actually. But let me tell you what COVID did. COVID yeah. then, like, sh- like further pr- proved to us that with artistry, I think, and it kind of like separating things again, it's like, number one, you cannot ever take away, like you can do a lot in this business, but taking away that like live performance from an artist to a fan, you, it's like, there's nothing to replicate that. That's right. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's number one. And number two, like, like your real artistry is, is having to like shine a little bit more than just like a trendy thing i think now with just the way things are set up but it go like the business goes all well, around it's well when i think you have access right when the masses have access now now it's it's you know people thought it was challenging to get a record deal but now it's challenging to be above the norm and better yeah, than the superstar. rest. superstar. Right, because now everybody yeah. can do it, right? Yeah, you can record so, a song so, today right here and then put it right. out tomorrow. So, 100%. So now, so now what gets you, because before you had, okay, I'm, I'm uber-talented, you know, I can sing, I can do all these things. 
I can, you know, get a record deal and I can be seen. So mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. it is, if the record deal is no longer important, how do you differentiate how do you stand yourself out? The from everybody right. else? Well, now, it's, now it's a pure free market. It's a yes. pure free market. That's yes. amazing. Right? That's, I think that's incredible. If you're a talented person, you couldn't ask to be better, born in a better time. Yeah. Well, th I think this that's true. It, it democratized it and made it, you know, available to everybody. But I do. And then oversaturated it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but there's, you're ne it, LeBron James doesn't care how many people play basketball. They still uh, right? keep it tight in the NBA, right. though. There's yes. only so many seats in that no, NBA. I, what I'm saying, though, is is that... Oh, like free range on the like outside. What I'm saying is that if there, if, 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 every, if, if, if LeBron... If the whole world was leveled flat... Yeah. And, there, and basketball appeared, LeBron James would still rise above because he has he's just so talented. Talented, and then you got the no, work ethic. I disagree. And then you got the team. Tell me why. <laughs> because... Because he he was able to go through a system to be seen, you, you understand to be recognized. To, uh, well, there was has, there was because, an established league. There was right. A, so but, if, if there was let's, a let's let, let's even talk about uh, before you even get to let's let's talk about elementary. Then let's talk about high school. Then let's talk about college. And then let's talk, you you know what I'm saying. There was a system for him to be able to go through. If 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 there were. Um, if if it was totally free and there wasn't that system, would there be a whole lot of LeBron James? I think you'd see a, a lot more of them. Well, you got to I mean, you're, you're talking about like the establishment of leagues and then the establishment of pipelines to those leagues and all that. So that is all infrastructure, it, sure. Yes. But what I'm talking about is in a in a world where the where the world is flat, everybody, you know, you, you're just you wake up one day and you can record a record and distribute to the next day. Then if you're Justin Bieber, mm -hmm. who basically did this, right? Just started putting his music on the internet. YouTube. Mm -hmm. And was then discovered by other people who had more talent to then distribute and make money off of it because mm -hmm. they could see his talent. Mm -hmm. Like talent will get recognized. Talent will have opportunities. But yes. she's saying the YouTube was the system, right? Because then if you didn't have YouTube, how are you going to find? No, I know, but YouTube Bieber. YouTube is a the world is flat device. So true, before YouTube, like, um, yeah. you had to go to LA. Yeah, yeah. You had to get in with that some producers. Yeah. You had well, to try to get a record deal yeah. deal because the record was going the record label was going to distribute you, and that's how mm. you're going to get a out there. You're going to have there are a lot more gatekeepers, yeah. right? So as the gatekeepers all come falling down, yeah. what it mm -hmm. really should do is, is mm -hmm. it should allow the most talented people to rise up. I right. love that yes. you said that because it almost is kind of like a reflection of America now because it's the gatekeeper thing in our racial tension and our, mm. you know, our like our civil war, not civil war, but, you know, what's happening right now with Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter mm -hmm. and just things that are important because it's almost like we're pulling your card like the gatekeepers are, you know. Well, but what you have to remember is that I mean, you may, it may I know it sometimes I, I have no idea what it's like to be black. I have yeah. no idea what it's like to to be an outsider. I, well, let me tell you. No, just yeah, no, right. no, no, I know. I mean, I've had a lot. Well, I have some idea. I, I have a lot. Of, you know, no, I have lots of friends I've had these conversations with. But what I mean is, I've never experienced gatekeeping being a problem because I, for whatever reason, embraced the American. No, the notion of being an American is I say no gatekeeper stands in my way. Mm -hmm. I right. will find a way around anybody that is an impediment. Right. 100%. So right. I'm, I am I expect people to be impediments, not mm -hmm. because of race, but because of personality. Where did you get that mindset? Mm -hmm. When did you get that mindset? <sighs> I mean, I I think I grew up, I certainly grew up with a lot of it. You know, I definitely grew up in a, in a you know, Americans 
do what they want, right? They, in a household that, that felt like Americans do what they want, yeah. a household that's that was uh, America is the world, a land of opportunity where you do whatever you imagine. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not happiness itself. But you can you better find out what your happiness is and chase it okay. because this is the rare piece of, of of real estate on the planet where you can do that. If I if I'm born in any country in the world and I feel like I'm being held down by the system, you probably are. Mm-hmm. But you get to America, you can go for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was my, you know, again, this is my one guy's perspective of growing yeah. up. That's mm-hmm. what I thought of America as mm-hmm. is a place where. It's a limitless opportunity. That's great because mm-hmm. that's what probably got you t- to all your success. Right. Because you were set up that way. Right. Well, not set up. Okay. You remember, I'm middle class. My dad yeah, yeah. Was a, worked in corporate America. My mm-hmm. mom was a school teacher. But you had a safe, teacher, secure you know? home that would allow you to say, hey, I can be anything I really want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, but I attribute and, that and, not to the and system. And your environment but, played a lot, of, a, a lot into that. You saw you were around. Uh, successful example, but I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't really like, like. I thought rich people were doctors and lawyers. Like well, those are the richest people I knew. Well, even right? I didn't know any entrepreneurs. I didn't know any venture capitalists. I didn't know any private equity guys. I didn't know hedge fund managers. I didn't know. But you watch TV, right? And on the TV, it was a reflection of people you. that look like you that I, could yes. be that. But yes. listen, I've, I've, all the things that I've achieved are not because I saw other people do it. Right. You're, right, you might be an anomaly. You know what right. I mean? Like you might. I mean, because you know that Sagittarius thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it comes into play. Like, but I, the general, you know, just think of the average Joe. <laughs> he's just looking at what you don't see almost past what you are just presented in front of you. But what what I'm saying is that's the Joe's fault. Joe, no, Joe, it's, it's Joe's it's not. But it's but it's not because surrounding opportunity, all these things. Play into it because because Joe has potential, say, but we don't Joe know what because, it is, because, and that's why they. But say, is that your because, job? Because like nobody came case. to me and said, "Man, you got a lot of potential. Let me help refine this." I see what you're saying. Um, you're saying you're making it like it, it's like it's as if it's a level playing field. I it suppose. is a level playing field. The world <laughs> is. A, I I promise you, the level now. Again, this is easy for me to say because I'm white a and, white and male male. Did you play level. sports? I was, I yeah, I would play a lot of sports. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to tell you what happened with Ryan, right? I, because I'm going to sit here and give a yeah, yeah. You know, just just from yeah, yeah. so. What type of guy? Who were, who were you in high school? Uh, you know, are you popular? I was, I was <laughs> yeah. popular. Okay, yeah, right. So, I was, yeah. so okay. So see, so so <laughs> if you're and and I'm sure you were successful in high school at doing things and things that you wanted to 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 uh, anything that you probably put your mind to. You could good, generally bad, do ugly. right, right. Yeah. Okay, good, mm-hmm. good, bad, and ugly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to say to you is, you're tall. You were good looking. You played sports. You walk into the room. Uh, nine times out of ten, the opportunity is already open to you because of the visual before you even open your mouth, right? And <laughs> and and so once you open your mouth, right, you say, "Well, I'm going to do this and sense of confidence and all these things." A lot of people don't even get into the room. A lot of people don't even get that start. And because you've had a, a sense of accomplishment from and the beginning, is a, such and, a thing. <laughs> oh confidence my goodness! By confidence itself, confidence it can is, make or break. Right, a whole because scenario. when I when I first started in the business, like 
really, I had, I'm going to tell you, I did have, you know, confidence issues when I started in the business as a woman, as the, as a black woman, as the only woman in the room, like even, even like having a family and being married and having my daughter, like, you know, when, when, when other folks in the company are talking about, you know, well, you know, I'm bringing my kids to, I didn't feel it was okay for me to bring my kid to a meeting let alone let folks know that I had responsibilities outside of this job. Because if I did, I felt I would be looked differently, mm -hmm. you know, looked at differently. And then they would give someone else an opportunity. So, you know, I had to be, again, work twice as hard, mm -hmm. be twice as smart, mm -hmm. right? And show up and be on point. And if I wasn't, then the opportunity would go away. That's what I was taught. But you That's learned that. Just... But who did somebody teach you that? Uh, or you just you eventually woke up to it. Well, but a lot of that came from surrounding. So if you don't have that, right? If you, if you don't if you but don't how'd get, you get it, you went you went and got it. You went no, and got the surroundings. No, you because needed. again, no, because I'm a product of my environment, right? I don't believe, I, my, but that, my that's parents, too, it's too no, deterministic. My, no, my my parents were educated. They put me like I did uh, ballet, I flute lessons. I was in, I did uh, NAACP AXO. I was in the uh, church public speaking. Like my parents made sure to expose me. I traveled. They yeah. made sure that. But but if you if you're if you're a kid that doesn't have those opportunities or those exposures and doesn't have that confidence or that or or the the feeling of winning the feeling of accomplishing something but you have to win right? to feel i think it's got to be a mix of both because it's got to be the environment and it's got to also be something maybe inside and inside of you that, I, I do agree. the environment can nurture or not or like not nurture if that right makes any sense. I, and, and, and what i would say is that if you have it in of you, our business our it, business says when you come in, this is what I love about entertainment. Mm -hmm. They when don't you, care about your education. They don't care, no, they don't you care about any of that. What they say yeah. is when you come into this business, you start here, right? Mm -hmm. And and so your education, what you have may get you there up the ladder faster, mm -hmm. but everybody starts here. You can be and a drug dealer what, and be the next right. executive of whatever right. Company. And, and you could have the hot artist and never have graduated high school. And they or, all, and, and then you got a job. And, then, and now you got a job yeah. because you're the manager it of really so has and no so. It really right? has no more. I think film and TV actually has way more restrictions. Yes, they do. On the industry. Our music is like a free-for-all. Like free you right. could be anybody, yes. anything. Right. And nobody cares. As a matter of fact, they love it when you're a drug dealer. Come on down. <laughs> well, it's entertaining. It's right. more, you know, that is entertaining. Yeah. Now, okay, and I'm not so, going to say that because I hate when people say that. Okay, I hate, I hate when people saying. say that. I think, I think if, if, if it's, you know, authentically, if, if it's, yes. a, it's authentically. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of fakers. Right. Authentically, you know. right? Because the same energy that it takes to be great at anything, the energy that it takes to be great at Anything, I mean, look whether at that's Knight. dealing, I mean, whether that's corporate, it's it's a, it's an energy that take that's a necessity that, that that you need to be great at anything, right? It's it's all it comes all from the same place, right? So whether it's the drug dealer, whether you know you're in sports, whether you're you know corporate America, whether you're an entrepreneur, that it's desire the hustle. It's, it's the hustle, the desire and the will to win. This is the key, though. Yes, right. Is that what mm -hmm. we want to do? Is we want to create environments. Mm -hmm. Where people can go for it, mm -hmm. but if we try to change everything from the top down, right, it doesn't work because right. this this requires internal motivation. What you guys have achieved mm -hmm. in your careers mm -hmm. 
is all internal motivation. Now, there have been totally. outside people who helped and whatever, but without that internal motivation to mm-hmm. overcome all of the obstacles that are getting in the way of you achieving what you want, of winning, mm-hmm. you don't get there, right? right? So mm-hmm. I think that we want to give more credit to the human ability to will themselves into success. Right, which means dismantling some of the systemic crap so everybody can have a fair shot. The starting point. As long as, but if we, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. We, I, everybody should get a fair shot. Everybody get if a fair shot. If we think everybody's going to start in the same place, that's just not true. Like Everybody's life is so different. There's mm-hmm. no way we ever get everybody back to the same exact place. Like all the Trump kids were born billionaires, right? Yeah. Uh, and and none of us in this room were born billionaires, that makes sense. right? It's so, like a, I, that's why I always say, like, for me, whether I was in music or something else, I was going to be successful. And I was correct. set up to be successful because no. I had... You you had it in you. I had it in me, but I also had the proper setup where it w- there wasn't something detrimental to my environment or my upbringing that would say, you know what, this is going to take... Guaranteed, you. if we went back and did a whole analysis, you've had to overcome a whole bunch of no, things. No, a bunch of stuff, right? for sure. That's so, the mindset, right? The mindset is, do I overcome or and, do I and, yield? And, and do you have the experience... The, the, the experience of feeling, do you have the feeling? Because people, because that feeling is important, right? Yes. Because and and this is why I'm going to say, say no, this. I didn't. My, you mm-hmm. know, I had a mentor. His name was Tom Sturgis. His his father was a guy named Preston Sturgis, who was the first to receive an Oscar for written, directed, and produced by you know, uh, period. And um and he was one of the founders of Hollywood. Tom told me um, because I worked for him at Chrysalis Music. He said. LaRonda, there's a thing called social buoyancy, right? And he believes that that when you when you rise to the top of anything, whatever the next thing you do, you will rise to the top at because you have the you know what that feeling mm. of success is and what it took to get there. So you know you'll figure out how to navigate, you know, to the top of that. And and I can say in my life. Never in a million years did I ever think I'd be working for city government in a billion right. years. How, right. how do you go from music to city government? Well, the same skill set that I used to rise to the top right. in music is what I used to rise to the top and become, you know, one of the best film commissioners in yeah. this country, I'm going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> I claim that. Thank yeah. you very much. Because Atlanta was voted the number one film office, yeah. you know, uh, in, in, in the world. You help break so, it open, yeah. And and I help create that office. Mm. And so all that energy that it took to create departments for Universal Music or Christmas yeah. Music or Hitco Music is the same energy. You knew how to win at that point. You knew what it felt like to win. Exactly. It's the same energy it's... that you bring to the next thing that you do. So And that's why I'm going to say um, the difference. LeBron was in a system that recognized so that he could feel that winning, if that makes sense, right? Because, because if if he knew from a young age what what it felt like to win and to be to be the man on the court. And he takes that into everything he does, which is why he can do, you know, movies and TV series and all these different things. Yes, he has a t- team around him, but it's successful. And I would say to your point, I was opposite because I came from a no support system in the music business from square 
zero. Like I didn't know a single person. I had no no relationships prior. And I just started at ground zero and just worked my way to my network. And my parents never, like the family never supported that. It was always opposite. Like, what the hell are you doing? And why, why are you doing this? Until I like had a 401k and got a real check from like Universal Music Group right. and stuff like that. Oh, okay, maybe this is a real thing, you know, but, but all those years prior, I was just out here, you know, fending for myself because I, that's what I wanted to do. And I just was like, you know, let me just do my thing. So it was kind of not supported, but it was also, I do want to say again, I did have a good setup. I'll go back to that, a good environment. To- and, and you had people that recognized your talent because I look at that, especially in hip hop, and we're going to thank Kanye for this. Um, Kanye has what he calls a thank you and you're welcome. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so in the thank you and you're welcome, which um, he feels that I'm talented right and 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 i've and i've done my part to show up here right and you're giving me the opportunity to shine so that's the thank you but when i do shine because i've done the work to and, and i'm prepared and there was something for you to mm. see in me that's the welcome yeah right and so dina i'm going to say because i know your story cuz i was there and i watched it yeah. right you had uh people that recognized Mm-hmm. talent in you that gave you the opportunity yeah. and it was a thank you and you're welcome. Well, thank you for that. I, yes. I will receive that because <laughs> you're right. If L.A. Reid hadn't really opened that door for me, I was I was in there, but it was and like... Shakir. And, and Shakir. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and so I'm going to say... I'm going to say Shakir so a lot of people because don't that's know how this. I know about you because no he came way. to tell me oh, really? about you. Yeah, yes. because so that's the crazy story. Everybody thinks Shakir hired me, but mm-hmm. L.A. sent Shakir to hire me. Mm-hmm. I knew Shakir, and but no, Shakir, obviously, um, we, we have mutual, uh, lots of mutual friends. But mm-hmm. um, the the like L.A. was like, okay, I see her. She's doing her thing. Let me open. He he let it. He, he kind of let, let you in. You got to be let in almost in this business. Like there's got to be a point where like somebody opens the that's door a little true. bit. No, like cracks it here's open a, for you so you can kick it down. Here's here's what, uh, the, these guys are telling me I'm way over time, which we are. We're gonna have to wrap up, but but uh, <laughs> but here's so, here's the key. Had so much what fun they today. saw, <laughs> what they saw in you, and again, yeah. this is a, this is an entrepreneur's opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. what they saw in you was a willingness to kick down doors. Mm-hmm. So all they did was bring you into their club of door kickers. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I get they that. Said, that's good. You are come on, door come kickers. on, come kick doors mm-hmm. open with us, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's not them necessarily opening the door. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is telling Recognizing you you're a trained super- killer, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like yeah. the recruitment for the Navy SEALs. I mm-hmm. like that. They're like this person is a survivor. This mm-hmm. person is a warrior. Mm-hmm. This person can come with us and not mm-hmm. drag us down, right? right. Come right. to come on, let's go kick open doors. Right. That's what they that's all they were recognizing. I would love right. to hear what Shakira said. That would <laughs> warm my heart. Yes, absolutely. He told me great things about you. And, okay, he, okay. and he let me know that and because when I met you, you were assisting him. Yes. I was his executive it, assistant. Yes. Until yes. he passed. And yes. then I and stayed right. with him. Right. Um, with LA. Because because you know. I knew the previous assistant at Hitco. I know. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I hired her. Right. Right. I, which I, was a whole other thing. Right. right. I so. love talking to both of you at the same time. We should do this more. Yes. Let's do, can we, let's do this again and we keep it going. We can do a part right? two. Let's do a part two. Because we didn't one, even really get to the hip-hop, I know, hip-hop I know, part of it. I know. I know. Well, this is the psychology of success, which yes, is really, I think, yes. more important because it's tra- yes. it translates to every industry. Right. I like it. So, anyway, thank you guys for being here, and, and let's do it again soon. <laughs> Part yes. two's coming. Part two has to come. Yeah. All right. All right, we're out. We're out of here. How about that? How Thanks about for that? having us, truly. Of course. Yes. Of course.
Such a good time. Such a good time. This has been the Black Hall Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.